welcome to Armenia by the Glass podcast. My name is Elaine Kasapian and my guest today is Artem Parsekian, Chief Winemaker of Trinity Canyon Wines. Artem initially studied biology at Yerevan State University for his undergraduate, but soon realized he was interested in winemaking. In 2011, he embarked on a two-year master's program in winemaking, viticulture and wine business, which took him to France, Germany and Portugal. In this episode, we talk about a whole range of topics, such as his role as a winemaker, the uniqueness of the village Ravnazor in the Vyatzor region, and how he brought back to life his vineyard, which had been abandoned by the previous owners and consists of a thousand vines of around 150 years old. I am sure you're going to listen to this episode more than once as we talk about so many interesting things. You will find an outline of the topics in the podcast show notes. Thank you, Artem, for being my guest today. I'm so pleased we managed to arrange this chat as I know you've been really busy the last few months. You are the chief winemaker for Trinity Canyon Vineyards and you've also got your own vineyard in a village in Bayadzor in Armenia and you've just launched your own wine called Hazarvaz. And we'll talk about those things shortly, but to begin with, it would be great if you could tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Uh, great. Uh, hi, Elaine, and thank you very much for this invitation. Uh, so my name is Artem Parserian. I'm, as you said, uh, a winemaker at Trinity Canyon Vineyards. Uh, I've started to work with, with, with the project at Trinity since almost the very beginning, so we'll talk about Trinity, I guess, a bit later. Uh, me, myself, uh, my, my, my minor in studies was in biology, so I didn't start as a winemaker, I started more like a biologist. I, I, I was graduated uh, in Yerevan State University, the Faculty of Biology, and then it happened that my topic of research was uh, linked with uh, wine yeasts. And... Uh, Soon enough, I've, I found out that I'm, I'm not really a laboratory person, and I'm more interested in the process of uh, of making some something. And it was making wine. Uh, technology got all, all over them. It was really starting to be interesting. So uh, I was trying to get an education first, and it happened that uh, I got a scholarship from uh, European International Masters program, which is called Vinifera Euromaster. It's, uh, it was an Erasmus Mundus program. In 2011, I started uh, my master's in winemaking, viticulture, and wine business in France, in uh, Montpellier, in the University of Subago. And then um, I did my master's thesis, and, and the second year of the studies was in, in Germany, the University of Geisenheim. In between these two years, I did a couple of vintages, so... My first real vintage was uh, in 2012 in Portugal in a winery called Quinta de Lagoalva, uh, which was an amazing experience working with uh, interns from all around the world. Uh, and then after that internship, which was about two or three months, I started my second year of master's, did another vintage in Germany uh, during the, the studies. And then after uh, doing my master's thesis, uh, successfully i came back to armenia and started to work with trinity so i started to work in the project in, from 2013 
which was also the first year when Trinity Canyon Vineyards released its first uh, vintage. So since since then, I'm, I'm a part of Trinity team. It's more of, of a family, a small business. And from last year, as, as you mentioned, uh, I've, I've started my, my own wine project, which I do in, in cooperation with Trinity. So basically, I make the wine at Trinity and uh, I use uh, grapes from my own vineyard, which I bought, uh, purchased last year uh, in the same village of Aravnadzor. So Aravnadzor by itself, I think it's, it's worth mentioning its name because it's one of the most, if not the most important village and terroir in the region uh, because most of the Areni grapes, which is like top wine from Armenia, let's say Brent uh, variety, uh, is grown in this village. So a lot of producers all around the Armenia, even from other uh, regions, are uh, buying grapes from this uh, from from the farmers of this village what's so special about this particular village uh, well first of all first of all uh, I, w- I would mention the the quantities of the grapes so if somebody wants to get Arani, then about if I'm not mistaken in numbers then about 70 80 percent of Arani grapes are grown here so it's the biggest plantations. Uh, second, uh, the terroir is very unique because the plantations are starting from about 1,200 meters above sea level and they're going up to 1,500. Uh, eventually, in Vaisdor, we have here uh, other villages which have higher elevation vineyards and lower elevation vineyards. But Alamnadzor, in, in, in my opinion, is, is the most diverse in terms of the altitudes of plantations. Uh, and also uh, the landscape here is, is quite incredible. So you can get, and as we're mainly working with Arani variety, which, uh, which is objectively a variety that expresses terroir uh, amazingly well, uh, then this kind of diversity in the landscape and uh, terroir and soil qualities um, is, is, is really amazing. So you can get hundreds of styles uh, of Aren from just the village of Alamanzo. And when we're saying this is a big plantation, this is big plantation in the in the in, in, in Armenian perspective. I mean in total, if if we're thinking about total plantations of Areni, then maybe the whole grapes can be collected by one big cooperative in France. Uh, I mean uh, even though maybe about 20, 30 Producers in Armenia are using grapes from this village. This has its drawbacks and, and also uh, it, it's it's good in, in terms of the quality, but it has also drawbacks that the grapes are just you know going all around the country and not staying in the village. So this this idea about appellations and protecting the geographical indications and origins uh, is a little bit hard, but it's changing because more and more producers are actually establishing uh, wine production productions in the village or in the close vicinity so uh, I think in about five ten years not even a gram of iron grapes will go out of the of the village it will stay here and uh, moreover also the farmers are starting to produce wine which is I think uh, the most important um, let's say tool to promote the the quality grape grape growing because if the farmers are not involved in the production of wine, they will only and that's the scene that we have now. That's the reality. 
farmers are just growing grapes and selling it, so they're not thinking about the quality. And uh, the point that they will start to actually uh, be involved in the wine winemaking process will uh, eventually lead to 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 a certain increase in the level of of uh, grape grape quality. You know, the biggest problem of Romanian wine winemaking, in in my opinion, maybe not the biggest, but one of the biggest, is uh, that the link between viticulture and winemaking uh, was lost during the Soviet period. So, uh, and it started even in the education system. So, uh, during Soviet period, the education was divided. There were people who were studying viticulture and people who were studying winemaking. So, people who studied viticulture knew how to grow grapes, but they didn't know what they are growing it for. <laughs> and vice versa, the winemakers, they knew how to make wine, but they didn't know the origins. So this link between the viticulture and winemaking was was lost and it's still, I mean, in the in the seed stage, you know. So um, also with the EVN Wine Academy that's uh, that we've established in 2015, uh, which is an international program of 18 months certified, uh, we're trying to, to, to prepare specialists that know everything about viticulture, everything about winemaking, and also involved in the wine wine business part, which is a normal education system all, all, all around the world. So this uh, this education, uh, you know, sep- sep- this separate ed- education was also uh, extrapolated into the business. So uh, if, for example, in France, about like 80-90% of vineyards are owned by the producers, and then only about 10% are owned by independent farmers, in Armenia, we have contrary. So 80-90% of vineyards all around Armenia are owned by farmers who are not involved in the wine production process. So they are just growers, you know, and what the growers need to grow quantities, uh, and they don't think about quality. And even if you will ask me now, okay, maybe people will pay them more, it's not worth it. It's better to produce more quantity, sell it for cheap price, and be sure that you have... so. No quality in, in this case, you know. So what we have to do uh, at the moment is to try to involve these farmers uh, in the wine production process. Otherwise, in, in five, 10 years, they will just sell their vineyards to wine, wine producers. And this is not something uh, we, we want because the rural population will not be longer any longer involved in the, in the, in the grape growing process. And this is not something sustainable. So, I mean, this is, uh, I think, the development. There are two ways. Um, during your studies, you actually went to, you decided to go to Portugal. What was the reason for that? So, after the, the first year of studies in, in Montpellier, uh, we had a task to find an internship anywhere in the world. Uh, during my studies, we were like 25 people in, in my class from 16 countries. So, starting from Chile, ending with uh, Australia and so on. Uh, so then the idea was to find an internship and nobody helps you to find an internship. I, I, I tried to apply anywhere in the world. I got some invitations from uh, a few countries. Uh, and Portugal was actually, uh, first of all, the winery was really interesting and the approach of the guys I knew before going there was very um, progressive. And uh, the other reason why I went to Portugal was uh, 
um, the, the similarity that I actually found uh, before going there between Portuguese winemaking and Armenian winemaking. Uh, maybe it sounds a bit weird, but uh, the reason I'm saying that is that Portugal also has a lot of uh, indigenous autochthonous varieties that are right. not known, like Fernal Pirisha, Frocheiro, and they have like about 20 varieties, which are not known even in Europe. And they're also doing their first steps, I mean, a bit, a bit further than we in Armenia do, but they're also in this kind of a same situation, uh, maybe a few steps forward uh, towards making the world know their varieties. So for me, it was interesting to work in a winery that has interesting approach in terms of technology and also that works with varieties that are not so, so, so known. Uh, so that, that, that was the reason. Uh, maybe. And I'm very happy because a lot of things that I've learned there, uh, first of all, I've spent a year in France studying like from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., but I've learned more during these two months in Portugal in terms of like practical skills because wine, wine making is not something you, you, you will learn in, in the classroom. Uh, although I think you need a lot of hours in the classroom to know the basics and the science behind, but you cannot be a winemaker just going out from the classroom, you know. Uh, you need a lot of practice. You need to work shifts. You need to work 14, 16, 18, 22, sometimes 26 hours a day uh, just to know, you know, because wine winemaking, uh, in my opinion and in my experience, includes a lot of, uh, like, logistics as well. So uh, you have to know how to organize the production, how to organize the hours during time because you cannot, like, in many other fields, you can just, you know, it's 6 p.m., you, 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 you go home, then the next morning you come and you continue. In winemaking and also in other food, food productions, you finish when, when the work is done. So a lot of practical skills, a lot of like physical work is involved here, and you can only learn that in a winery that uh, includes this kind of work. So Portugal for me and this Quinta de Lago Alva was really a good uh it's a practical school and a lot of things that I've learned there I'm using until now and I remember them every time I use this kind of you know operations and technical stuff. Emma, you're the chief winemaker at Trinity. What what does the role as winemaker actually involve? So it includes it includes basically uh, what I'm doing now, probably the last few years. I'm more involved in the production management. Uh, so deciding what grapes are coming, deciding the quality of grapes, uh, harvest time. I'm starting from the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, so working closely with the, with the vineyards, not with the vineyard routine work, but with the quality of grape and development uh, of uh, ripening process, uh, yield quantities per hectare and so on. And then deciding the harvest time. And after that, uh, organizing all the production feeding all the grapes that come to the winery um, into the tanks that you have into the vessels that you have and every year we have shortage of vessels because and then the whole production process after the fermentations are over with the aging process bottling processes and final release to the market deciding the timing of the release and so on and so forth so in case of Trinity, it's a it's a small operation, so we we are we're a small team, and I'm mostly involved in in the whole value chain of production. So starting from grapes, ending with uh, with some 
aspects of uh, selling the wine and so on. But we have separate people to do that, of course. My most uh, involvement is in the production process. You, I've heard you describe Trinity as an, an ex, as an experimental winery. What does what does that mean? Can you give an example? So, first of all, uh, what about the experiments? So, winemaking is something that you have only one chance to do uh, your experiment and to get experience because it's once a year the harvest. It's not like beer making or brewing. Yeah, you just can buy uh, the, the the malt and then brew it. 12 months a year. In winemaking, you just have one experience to, to earn. So uh, in, at Trinity, we decided to, to do a lot of experiments during the vintage. We have about, we were pre- producing when we opened up, like last year we produced about 30,000 bottles, but we have about 12 labels. So we have, we're working with many varieties, we're working with many te- technologies, trying uh, to find, you know, best practices and something new, something interesting. Uh, and our production volumes are not big. We just built a new winery block last year. And uh, at the moment, we produce about 55, 60,000 bottles, uh, which is probably our top quantity. Uh, at the same time, we, we as, as I said, we are trying to work with many varieties. We work with uh, three indigenous varieties, which are main varieties for us. That's Areni, uh, that's Harji. It's an autochthonous variety from Armenia, from Vajdor, and Voskehat, which is also a well-known white, white variety. And then we also work with four French varieties, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Chardonnay, which we've planted in 2013. And we do a lot of blends, a lot of, uh, you know, single variety uh, fermentations. We use different vessels, inox tanks, um, terracotta vessels, clay amphoras, which we call caras in Armenia. Uh, we use barrels, French barriques, Armenian barriques. Uh, so for us, winemaking process is always uh, uh, a micro-vinification uh, level uh, trials, which then are used uh, to produce the best blend possible and produce a product that we like. Sounds fantastic. I mean, earlier you said it's create, you know, creativity with and um, scientific. That sounds like the combination there. And, and from 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 this year, we want to, as we have already now, a bigger winery. We want we, we can do much more experiments. Uh, some some things that we wanted to do and we didn't because of the lack of space and so on now are possible. And I'm really looking forward to 2022 vintage. Uh, we will see. What, what can be done else. <laughs> right. we, we even have... There's always that anticipation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we even had a, a, a production line which was called Jazz. Actually, it was J-A to Z. So if you, if you read it, that's like Jazz. And Jazz was was not repeating from vintage to, to vintage. So it was like the, uh, the outcomes of the successful experiments. We were bottling them, basically combining different varieties and, and stuff. And then next year, the jazz line was changing completely. Even the label was changing. And then the most successful um, blends uh, went to a new production line, which we called Crossroads. And Crossroads is like a stable line, which is now produced every year. Crossroads is called Crossroads because it's a cross between two varieties. That's French variety and an Armenian variety. 
and we have a few of, uh, of different blends in this production line. Now, actually, about the blends, this is also an interesting thing. That's what I've learned in Portugal about the varieties that they also have, the local Portuguese varieties that they try to present to the world. One of the tools that they used is to do the blends. So they were blending uh, a well-known French, French variety, like Syrah, uh, with an unknown variety from Portugal, and then they were labeling it and pointing out the, the Portuguese varieties as the main part of the blend. And by selling this to other markets, they were kind of promoting uh, their variety because people, you know, consumers, they see, oh, it's Sierra with, with what? With an Alfa Ruchero. Okay, Alfa Ruchero is nice. And then, you know, next thing that the consumer might think is, okay, let's try a pure one. Okay, so for us also, the, the blends of French varieties with, uh, with Armenian varieties uh, is also a tool of promoting the Armenian varieties because our main focus is still monovarietal wines made from uh, local autochthonous varieties because they have tremendous potential. Uh, I mean, just from the winemaking point of view, I'm not saying this, this as an Armenian. I'm, I'm, I'm working parallel to Arani. I'm working also with Syrah. I'm working with Cap, Chardonnay and Merlot. Of course, these four French varieties are amazing and they have also very amazing potential in store because this is also an interesting thing. Uh, but working with Areni, Areni is, is, is just, uh, I mean, you can do so much things with Areni. You can produce so many styles. You can do uh, so much, like, winemaking potential of the varieties is, is just over now. It's great that Armenia has such a, such a grape and it can be, it is so versatile and it can be adapted to, I hate to say it, to the market. You know, yeah. for the domestic market and for the international market as well. I think th this is one of the most uh, important things about that, any that it's very palatable for international market. I mean, you're not producing something uh, rustic and you know very Armenian. It has very international style. It has, let's say, it has a potential to make a very international style of wine. I'm not talking about industrial international styles, but like. A style that many people will appreciate, even without knowing it's an adding. So it, it's really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about your wine, Hazarvaz. Okay, Can you tell me a bit about it. Sure. So it's a it's a very unique vineyard, and the whole yeah. idea, the whole project of Hazarvaz is linked with the vineyard. Even the name, which is Hazarvaz, which in Armenian is Thousand Vines. Uh, we already started to show this connection with the vineyard uh, from the name and from the label. Uh, so uh, the vineyard was planted about 150 years ago. Wow. Uh, it's a very old vine vineyard. And when I'm saying this to some foreigners, they don't believe it. <laughs> because, you know, in, in Europe, uh, most of the vineyards are grafted to the American roots and the, and the life of the vine, which is grafted, is about 67, 70 years. After that, it just stops to, to give you yield. Uh, while when we're talking about own rooted vines, which we have here in Biosor and the whole Biosor region is phylloxera free, uh, we don't have any American rootstocks here, uh, all rooted vines can live centuries. Uh, so the vineyard that we've purchased is a is a is a bush vine uh, wild vineyard, 
which was abandoned for a few years, and then we started to revive it. Uh, it's a huge biodiversity. <laughs> there we have many trees, different kinds of plants growing beside the vines, of course, we're cleaning a little bit, but still keeping this biodiversity um, aspect of the vineyard. So the vines, as I said, are, are trained in a, in a, let's say, something similar to French lace style. So they don't have any posts, any trellises. They're just growing like bushes. <clears throat> uh, we get very limited yield there. So it's about half a hectare of the vineyard and we get about two tons Per, per half a hectare, so about four tons per hectare if we're talking about uh, the, the, the production volumes. So uh, we have 1,000 vines. Uh, that's thousand. Why, yeah, it's just 1,000 vines, and they are giving like two kilograms of grapes each. Uh, mm. We control it by, by pruning, uh, and Arena is pretty hard to prune variety because it's not fertile from the first two buds, so you have to leave about five buds uh, per 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 cane, so we're doing. Uh, it's it's th there are other varieties uh, as well like that from from Europe, but not not many. So we get a lot of vegetation. We don't get much yield, and uh, controlling this is, is 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 quite nice for the quality. Uh, so the grapes are harvested in about end of October. Last year we are harvested in the beginning of no no November, so it was almost snowing. Uh, vineyards were completely they lost the whole uh, green part so there were no leaves or most so we harvested quite ripe uh, I tried to get uh, as much concentration as possible I'm not thinking about the level of alcohol at all uh, even though there is a tendency all around the world with low alcohol wines I don't care about that uh, we produce wines with quite high alcohol about 14, 14 and a half um, trying to balance it with the amazing acidity that Arani has by itself. I mean, we just don't need to do anything here with this elevation, which is about 1,480 meters above the sea level. You never lose the acidity. Uh, we get uh, perfect ripeness, um, crush it, ferment it, uh, partially in uh, terracotta, partially in inox tanks. And then uh, we have... Uh, quite a long maceration period. Uh, there is about maybe 40 days of cuvaison, so basically 40 days of batting time. And after that, we just press it, uh, leave it for, for about a few, two, three weeks, rack it from the gross lease, fill it in the barrels. Uh, I use exclusively used barrels, so I don't want to overlap the, the style of the wine with the oak. Uh, and this is in general with the Trinity wines is, is the same. We, we're not making oaky wines. We're making, we're trying to promote the fruity and uh, varietal aromas of Arena, which is by itself super great. Uh, just complementing it with, with some oak notes, and uh, because we also use local oak, uh, oak right. from uh, from Karabakh, from Artsakh. Yeah. Uh, and then I age Hazelvas for about 10 months in, in, in used oak. Used, I mean, like th three, four year old. So fourth uh, filling, four fifth, yeah. Uh, we, I've produced about 1,000 bottles, uh, the first vintage. This vintage will go almost double. Uh, and this is the, the quantity of, uh, of the vineyard. I cannot go more. 
I mean, uh, the idea is to produce, it's it's also mentioned in the front label, it's a single vineyard, Adeni uh, Noir. So, uh, because, you know, in Armenia, unfortunately, there is a tendency, uh, as the grapes are all over the place, and it's hard to get one plot with one type of the grapes because they were planted mixed in the Soviet period. There is, you know, it's it's crazy. Uh, so a lot of producers are just collecting, uh, let's say, aren or Voskrat from various vineyards, even getting out of the same terroir and same village. So they can have a collection of uh, grapes from different uh, regions, even. And uh, in this case, you can promote, uh, you can make an amazing wine in this in this way, but uh, it will never show the potential of the terroir because it will be from different terroirs. My idea is to, to produce a single vineyard, Remy, not thinking about the quantities because uh, this is what the vineyard will, will give me. If I can grow the vineyard a little bit, then it will give me more. But at the moment, that's 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 the quantities. Well, this is the general idea. I'm seeing a trend here. Um, I've seen, you know, uh, for events mm-hmm. where you have tastings from a single vineyard and they're various mm-hmm. vintages. So I think there, there is a trend for that here. I think it's it's all over Europe and the old world as well as new world now. I mean, Argentina is doing amazing stuff with 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 soil typing. So they, uh, there is one 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 winery called uh, uh, Zucardi. It's it's in Argentina in Mendoza, if I'm not mistaken. And they they won uh, the best vineyard of the world award. I think last year or the year before. And the, the the main reason why why they want they they have done a super nice soil mapping of their vineyard, and they were producing wines according to the soil type. Uh, so vinifications were linked with. I mean, this is I think the best and the the top level of the wine wine making when you can link uh, the vineyard plot with your vinification. Uh, the same thing is done all 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 over Europe and. When actually I got this idea was was in Germany because you know Germany is very famous for its variety riesling and riesling like Arenie even if it's white white variety it's a very terroir expressing uh, variety so uh, you just plant it uh, hundred meters uh, two two vineyards lo- located really close to each other with the same clone of riesling they will give you completely different uh, grapes. Uh, Arene has has the same pot- potential in terms of expressing the the, the ability of the soil, uh, and and in Germany it's really common to like a small producer can have like ten labels of riesling, riesling from this uh, hill, riesling from this plot, riesling from this vineyard, and they are actually promoting their soil, not their wine name, and I think th- this is great. Yeah. This is why I love wine. It's not just obviously drinking it, but sure. all these, yeah, exactly. All these different things. And, you know. Of course, there is an emotional part in about that. But if you think about scientifically, then it's really true. I mean, uh, you get completely other chemistry there uh, when you compare it to wines produced from two different plots. Uh, and also the plot that I'm using for Hazard, I have like about five neighbors. So it's really small, uh, small area, which was, Planted, as I said, about 150, maybe a bit more years years ago, and uh, 
the, the funny thing is the name of the of, of the plot, which we also included in the label design. Uh, it's called uh, Bitten by a Snake. So, you know, Vyabasdor is very famous for its uh, poisonous snakes, for vipers, and we have a lot of them in the vineyards. Um, yeah. Gyurza, it's one of the most poisonous vipers in the world. Uh, and the legend says that, you know, there are a lot of legends. And, you know, in the wine marketing, the most important thing is to have a legend. So we have plenty of legends here. Um, and the, the, one of the most funny legends was with the name of the vineyard that's beaten by a snake because the legend says that one guy was trying to steal grapes from this vineyard. He was beaten by a snake. And so the grapes were were saved by the snake, you know. So snake is our friend. We we have a good, uh, we have very good relationship with snakes. Uh, we we work closely with with them, you know. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's a huge biodiversity. I mean, you know, our Armenia. Uh, this is something biological. What I'm trying to say, it's one of the uh, hotspots, biodiversity hotspots. Like I think 34 hotspots in the world. Of biodiversity and Armenia is one of them. So we have so many like plant flora and fauna here are like like crazy. We have bears, we have wolves, foxes, eagles, uh, snakes, whatever. You, you, yes. you, it's it's a zoo actually here. Yeah, I've heard I've heard about the bears. Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have heard about the snakes. Bears, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And when I was in Yerevan, I saw a few scorpions as well. So that's like... Oh, yeah, it's normal. (laughs) (laughs) What I find amazing about um, your, when you talk about your vineyard, is the fact that those those vines, they're, you said they were 150 years old? Yeah, yeah. You know how, how we know that it's 150? Because the guy that sold us the vineyard, he's like 75 years old. And... He said that his grandfather planted it. So I'm just doing the math, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's um, local. That's local history. But, but um, the vine, what condition were they in? I mean, it's amazing how resilient they are to to survive. Yeah. Especially in this kind of uh, in this kind of soil, because we have like rocks, and we have rocks, and there's nothing else. It's 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 completely in the mountains. Uh, it's perfect conditions for the, for the vines, I, I guess. So it's dry climate. Uh, there is no much pests around. Uh, we just spray once or twice a year. Uh, we do one irrigation with farrows, with like big rivers of, of water just running around the vines. Uh, and there is a huge biodiversity with the, with the plants as well. So everything grows there like wild pears, wild apples, cherries, whatever tree you think about is growing in the vineyard. We don't cut them, we just, you know, control their growth. And hard to survive for anything else, but vines are growing as well as wild plants. So what's your um, vision of Armenia and its wines? Is that a big question, but... I'm from from an out from sitting here in London and looking on social media. There just it just seems to be um, a wine scene that seems to be you know really developing very quickly. What 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 do you how do you see it? Oh, it's a hard question. 
actually. Uh, so I think that, well, not I think, but everybody talk, talks about that, the Armenian renaissance of the wine-making study, I think somewhere about maybe 12, 13 years ago, 2010, let's say, uh, because this was a time when Armenians started to produce quality wines. Because, you know, Soviet period time, cognac, brandy, winemaking was really forgotten as part of the culture. Uh, and then 2010, a few brands appeared that started to make quality wines. Because before that, going into a wine shop, well, first of all, there were no wine shops. There was a supermarket. You, 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 you could get a bottle of local or international wine exclusively in supermarkets. And, uh, and getting an Armenian wine, which is just worth drinking, which is dry, was nearly impossible. And then a few projects like Zora, Karas, uh, started to appear, uh, and then and then uh, a wine bar opened in Vino, I think in 2012. Um, so the 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 scene, the wine scene, started to to change, and then it was slowly developing. Big producers uh, started to see that small producers are producing quality, which is already in more interesting in the international market. So they also started to you know increase their quality at least. To a decent wine level, and now they are also producing some incredible wines. I'm talking about really big producers, uh, but then it was kind of you know stopped, uh, and uh, with the with the COVID and war, everything was you know more or less stable or even downgraded. But uh, the last year and the last two years, I, I guess, uh, just numbers never lie. So two years ago, we had 34 or 35 uh, registered wine producers. Uh, today, we have more than 100. Of course, these this like 70 producers are small producers, like, like myself, 1,000 bottles, 2,000 bottles, 10,000 10, bottles. But what is funny is that most of these producers, and in general, like maybe all of the hundreds, they are working towards quality, not quantities. I'm, I'm again revealing even the big producers. Uh, of course, different quality levels, but towards quality. So if you compare, I never like to compare, but if you compare to Georgia, Georgia has maybe 10 times more producers in numbers and 10, 10 times more quantity. But if you taste all these wines, maybe you will separate 100 producers from this that produce something drinkable. Amazing wines exist in Georgia. But the, the whole production, um, uh, let's say, strategy of Georgia, in my opinion, as much as I know, is going towards, you know, quantity. Uh, well, what I'm seeing now in Armenia is, well, first of all, we, we cannot go towards quantity because we don't have enough grapes, starting with that point. Uh, so what we can do is to go towards quality, increase price, uh, premium, premium lines of production and export it everywhere. It's hard, but that's how the development is, is going on. What I'm seeing for the future is that many wine brands, I'm, I don't want to say unfortunately, but eventually will disappear because they will, you know, there is a normal market process. Somebody will just decide not to work in this field anymore. Somebody will not be able to sell the wines, but eventually a number of producers will get bigger and bigger produce enough quantities to, to make the business rentable and keeping the quality. That's more of a hope. 
than a projection because I'm not going to do projections, but I think that the, the, the wine sector is, is going towards this, the vector of the development is towards quality and that, 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 and together with, with that, what, what, what good things are happening is that a lot of vineyards are being planted. So, uh, because we really have a big problem with the quantity of, of grapes. I mean, the plantations are really small in general. So more grapes will be planted and what is more important, planted in a correct way because a lot of plantations that exist now are Soviet period plantations when, where you know grape varieties were planted mixed. And when I'm saying mixed, like Arani was planted with a white variety in the same row. So it's hard to handle, it's hard to control, even nearly impossible to, to get the perfect quality grapes. So it's important that now plantations are done in a correct way, internationally recognized, you know, it's a normal pattern. You don't have to invent a, uh, a bicycle every, every time. Artem, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much, Elaine. It was a pleasure. I wish you all the best with your um, Hazarvan wine, which I hope to taste when I come to Armenia very soon. I'll, I'll, I'll keep a bottle. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. If you'd like to get in touch, please do so at armeniabytheglass at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you.